This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us this morning. Time now to check in with province columnist Mike Smith. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Jill. Good morning. Lots to talk about uh, this morning, but you have written uh, in great detail. Uh, We heard uh, the Premier talk about not wanting to write a blank check, but you've got the details that show that check might have been gigantic. Well, this, of course, is the the failed bid for Vancouver to be part of the uh, World Cup of Soccer in 2026, which would have been awesome, right? I mean, it would have been very cool for Vancouver to be part of this, but... As everybody knows now, uh, Vancouver was dropped by the bid committee as a potential host city after the provincial government started questioning the terms of the contract with FIFA, the world governing body for soccer. They actually asked to renegotiate uh, some of the terms of the contract. That did not sit well with the uh, the bid organizers, and Vancouver was dropped as as a host city, which, which is too bad. But I think that When you take a look at what was being asked of B.C. taxpayers here, personally, I think the government did the right thing. And I wrote about this last week, and I have it again today. It's the front page of uh, today's Vancouver Province newspaper, which I encourage people to check out. Uh, You can check it out online, too, at theprovince.com. And what I've got today, Jill, is just some a little bit of inside stuff on what was going down, how this deal all unraveled. And what I was shown was uh, a risk assessment analysis that was done by Pavco, which is the crown corporation that runs BC Place, which of course is owned by the provincial government. And it looked at and analyzed some of the contract demands from FIFA and the potential cost, the potential liability to BC taxpayers. And, you know, (laughs) it's a lot, you know, like... There was a demand for uh, not only one natural grass playing surface to be installed in BC Place, but they would have to have a what, what's known by FIFA as a contingency pitch, which is a second field ready to go and to be installed on short notice if something went wrong with the first one. Um, there would have had to have been a second separate electrical power supply to BC Place Stadium in case of a power failure. There was a lot of concern about how they were going to accomplish that. Would it require gas-powered generators to 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 fire, you know, to power the entire BC Place Stadium and a worldwide TV broadcast? Would they have to bring in a separate BC Hydro line? Stuff like this, you know. When the, and when the government sat down and looked at this, and they looked at the uh, what was being demanded and started asking questions about the cost, they didn't get the answers that they liked, and that's that's where it all uh, went bad. For Vancouver in the World Cup. Yeah, and security too. I guess yeah. maybe learning something, and you touch on this, learning something from the security budget for the 2010 games. Uh, yeah, because one of the things that the BC government tried to get uh, the federal government to step up and say, we will be responsible for security at all these World Cup venues in Canada, and that didn't happen. So the potential was for BC taxpayers to be on the hook for security costs for the World Cup in Vancouver. And there was a lot of concern about how much that could cost. Like, if you go back to the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, security, of course, was budgeted at this, at first at one, $175 million, ended up costing around a billion dollars. So security costs are just notorious for going over budget. I know that the BC government looked very closely at the World Cup in Brazil in 2014, where they spent 
$900 million on security. It included a massive uh, video surveillance system, uh, and police and uh, first responders had to be trained on potential terror attacks with chemical weapons and radiological terror attacks. I mean, it just... It, very, very complex and costly security apparatus would have been required. So the B.C. government was looking at this and saying, you know, we're going to get, what, two or three games here for the World Cup, and they just didn't think it was a good deal. Another one was, which to me was really interesting, was what uh, FIFA calls a clean stadium clause, which bans all non-authorized advertising and commercial activity in the stadium for what they call an exclusive use period of BC Place, which would have been potentially two months. So for two months, um, all advertising banned in the stadium and around the stadium. That's mm. another interesting one, is that there would have been this strict ban on non-authorized advertising near the stadium. So there was a lot of concern about what would this mean for businesses operating near BC Place would the government have to go down and police their ads and their signage and stuff like that? So all of these things were part of a risk analysis that was done by Pavco, and a lot of it was just, you know, the government said, we can't do it. And we're not alone on it, right? Like, you know, there's been other cities that said the same thing. Chicago, very notably, uh, Minneapolis last week also made very similar raised very similar concerns about this deal with FIFA, and they, and they pulled out of the World Cup, too. So we're not alone on this. No, definitely. Are you surprised, then, that Edmonton is going ahead? Um, I guess everyone has to make their own decisions about what's in the best interest for their own city, their own jurisdiction. I, I'm, not, I'm not privy to uh, their particular situation, but, you know, I, I talked to a guy named uh, Andrew Jennings, and this guy is a, is a British journalist who is pretty widely credited with exposing the FIFA corruption scandals that led to charges in the United States uh, a few years ago of uh, wire fraud, racketeering, and money laundering against FIFA. And when he takes a look at the contract demands for host cities for the World Cup, he basically calls it extortion. And he says these the demands are over the top, and the costs are extremely expensive. And he thinks that British Columbia has made a, a good decision in standing up to FIFA, and he thinks more. He told me that more and more governments are just looking more closely at these costs and saying, uh, "No thanks, we're not going to go along with it." Now, of course, on the other side of it, I mean, I think there's a rational argument on the other side of it that we sh that maybe BC should have done this. Obviously, it would have given a huge boost to tourism in the city. It would have given a you know tremendously high profile to have Vancouver's World Cup city with uh, global interest around the world in the game. So there's certainly benefits too, but um, the cost-benefit of analysis, at least from the BC government's point of view, was that it, was, it wasn't worth it. All right. Uh, interesting yep. details yep. Uh, that you've yep. got there. Very in it's an interesting story. Yeah. Sure. Uh, just before I let you go, uh, your thoughts now that uh, the dust has settled a bit uh, on uh, the transit announcements and stuff, uh, how are things, uh, how do you think uh, things played out as far as uh, finally coming up with this funding mechanism? Uh, a few things jumped out at me there. One is that it was interesting to watch these po politicians announce a funding deal here with with no referendum. Uh, last time this all unraveled because they couldn't get a, a agreement with on a referendum, and the referendum failed. That put that put transit development in this city in this region be uh, behind schedule by like three years, and yet here they are. They stood up and said, "Okay, 
we got a deal. Yes, we're going to raise transit fares. We're going to put up property taxes. Yes, there will be a development fee, a new development, but we're going for it. We're doing it. And it's interesting to see a guy like Burnaby Mayor Derek Corrigan actually standing up and saying, yeah, we don't like raising property taxes, but we're going to do it anyway because the, the region needs this transit. You know, why couldn't they have done this three years ago? You know, to me, to me, this whole thing has just been a failure of leadership um, while the transit infrastructure in the city just gets worse and worse. Uh, so they finally were able to stand up and announce they got a deal. So what I'm watching now for is a potential backlash if there's any complaint. Some people will obviously complain about it, but will they, will they get nervous and turtle on it? And also, where does it leave mobility pricing, increased tolling? That's still on the table for a few years down the road. Right. So because I did hear some people speculating, saying that they thought that this meant mobility pricing has gone away. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I, I, Corrigan said, no, it hasn't gone away. We are not going to be introducing mobility pricing anytime soon, which would include uh, potential new tolls, potential distance pricing or a congestion fee for driving downtown, that kind of thing. All of this stuff is on the table. He said that that is still being considered, but it's a few years down the road before we get there. So we'll see if they, that might require another dose of political courage if they're actually going to do that. But that's a few years down the road. In the meantime, they got a deal, which is a good thing, because these projects need to get done, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, Mike, great to chat with you. And people can uh, check out your column. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That is Mike Smith, province columnist. And if you want more of the details of the the risk assessment and the lead up to the decision not to to hold the FIFA events, check out Mike's column in the province today. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.